Earners, what's up? Look, I want to give y'all a little peek behind the curtain of producing Earn Your Leisure. It's a lot more than just sitting down and chatting. It involves meticulous planning, recording, editing, and then promoting each episode to ensure it reaches all of you. And if you picked up any of our merch, then you know there's a whole extra layer of logistics from inventory management to shipping. Running a podcast is like running a small business. And speaking of business, I know many of you entrepreneurs are involved in e-commerce. You understand how crucial it is to streamline operations and cut costs wherever possible. That's why I want to talk to you about ShipStation, the multi-carrier shipping solution that integrates seamlessly with all your online sales channels. It's all about optimizing your shipping, connecting with expert partners, and freeing up more of your time to focus on scaling your business. Now let's talk about our experience with ShipStation. This tool has been a game changer for us, especially with automating routine tasks. Being able to manage everything from one dashboard and print shipping labels with just a click, absolute lifesavers. Plus, the discounts we get on shipping costs are incredible. Honestly, it feels like we're saving thousands. And as our show and merch sales have grown, ShipStation's robust automation and reporting features have helped us keep up without missing a beat. For those of you who get overwhelmed by order volumes, ShipStation's easy-to-use dashboard is a dream come true. You can import orders from any sales channel, apply shipping preferences automatically, and handle customer service issues right there. Not to mention the savings with up to 89% off carrier rates like UPS, DHL Express, and USPS. It's no wonder over 130,000 companies stick with ShipStation long term. So, are you ready to turn your shipping challenges into growth opportunities? Head over to ShipStation.com and use promo code EARN for a free 60-day trial. Again, that's ShipStation.com, promo code EARN. Start streamlining your shipping and scaling your business today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Earners, what's up? Look, today I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind, a real weight on my shoulders. You know, we all have these moments, big or small, that just stick with us. When we don't talk about these things, then they can start to affect our lives in unexpected ways. That's why having a space to express these feelings is so important. I know firsthand the benefits of therapy. It's been transformative for my friends and family. Therapy can help you learn crucial skills like setting boundaries and developing coping strategies. It's not just about dealing with major events. It's also about enhancing your day-to-day -day life, allowing you to become the best version of yourself. So if you've been thinking about therapy, BetterHelp can be a great option for you. It's entirely online, which makes it super convenient and adaptable to your busy schedule. You start by filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can even switch therapists at any time if you feel the need without any additional cost. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash earnyourleisure today to get 10% off your first month. Remember, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash earnyourleisure. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Head over there now. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Let's take a 
Dylan Brooks, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shout out to him. But I'm just saying, things like that, that's where it starts getting... You but start Dylan to Brooks is a legend. No, he's not. Okay, nah, now nah, look. Nah, watch nah, this. Nah, 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 nah. Watch this. Where's he watch from? This. Where's he from? My point. In so Ala- Dylan he's from Alaska. Brooks, he's from Alaska. Dylan Brooks could be from some Canada or something, right? Oh, yeah, he's from Canada. He's from... So, Ontario. He could be somebody that's the first from his neighborhood, from his bro, yeah. who yeah. did what he's doing in America. But not even to, since his hood. To them, he's a legend. He might, and when he goes on the campus of Oregon, he probably a legend. He's a legend. That's a fact. How many guys from Oregon make it to the league and have a career? Not many. <laughs> my graduates from my school being Forbes, bag drop. Backdrop. <laughs> a mic drop. Backdrop. Backdrop. All right, guys. Welcome back. EYL. Yeah. We are in our second home, LA. We out here all the time. So it's, it's officially, it, maybe it's officially a place, Atlanta is our second home. Oh, yeah, Atlanta's a second home. It's tough. It's tough. Come sure. on, man. Y'all got to make Cali the second home. <laughs> <laughs> I love Atlanta, though. Yeah. I can't blame you. Atlanta is the shit. Yeah, no, nah, I got love for both places, man. But um, we was coming out here for the weekend, and we wanted to, you know, make it as impactful as possible. So we were like, who can we interview? And I shout out to AB. He's like, yo, what about Simba? I think we live out there. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. Let's reach out. Yeah. And um, the bro set it up, right? Um. Naj, shout out to the yeah. whole Naj team. Yeah, shout out my boy Schmurter too, man. Yeah, so they um they set it up, and um, we're here. So I'm a fan. I told you that before. Yeah, when we connected with 19 Keys at the BT Awards, was that last year? Last year, yeah. last last yeah. June. Yeah, last June radio room. Last yeah. June. So BT. that's about a year. Yeah, year around right sure. there. See how a sure. year works. So um, you know, it's it's been dope to see your your rise. Been following you on the gram, you know, watching the freestyles, watching everything that you've been doing. So first and foremost, congratulations. Man. Thank you, man. Thank you. Congratulations to y'all too, man. Uh, I was just actually watching the blast episode. Last oh yeah, night. how'd you <laughs> feel about it? My God, I love it, bro. That's my God. I love, it. I love Vic too. Yep. Because Vic is like he's he's like the embodiment of like what you have to do. Like, as the homie or, like, as the friend that's a part of business that, like, take matters into your own hands to kind of, like, simplify a lot of things for an artist. So, shout out to Vic, man. I love him for that. Yeah, yeah that's a dope one. That's, yeah. that's the family. We did we did that here, actually. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a fact. Um, but, yeah, man, so let's let's jump right into it. I, I got It's going to be a fun conversation, a lot to talk about. But first, all right, so... Everybody knows you're out there. You're making a buzz. Yeah. Um, are you signed to a label? Yes. What label are you signed to? I'm signed to the best label in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Atlantic Records. Completely unbiased opinion. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. So when did that... Because you was independent for a long time. Yes. So yes. Talk, talk me through that. How did that happen? The thought process? I'm sure you kind of like debated it in your mind whether that was a good idea or not. Maybe you didn't. Like... You know, going to a label, how did how did that come about? Well, for me, bro, I was always somebody that was just like, I just always kind of thought past where I was at the moment. And um, for me, growing up in the Bay Area, we got, like I say all the time, we got a lack of infrastructure when it comes to the hip-hop music scene. Um, So it was hard for me to kind of develop the team that I needed 
to kind of help me define what it was that I represent as an artist. So I had to go elsewhere. And through going elsewhere, I ended up leaving the Bay Area and coming down here to Los Angeles. And when I came down to Los Angeles, I started getting in rooms and learning different things. And through that, I kind of started developing like more appreciation for the major side of things. Because it was like you get to kind of take advantage of like all these different opportunities and relationships versus like you going through this uphill battle. And especially for me, it was tough because, like I said, I couldn't really develop a team. So I had to hire one. Um, so I partnered with Atlantic back in like 2020, um, like right before the pandemic. My first single on Atlantic came out two days before the pandemic. So for me, um, partnering with the majors, it was always about being able to get my music scene like from a broader perspective because I didn't really relate to where I'm from. Mm -hmm. I don't really sound like the typical Bay Area artist or have the typical sound. So I always needed like more platforming and different relationships to help me elevate what it was I was trying to do. And, you know, partnering with the major label was easier for me to do that than to take the independent route. So at first, before you, you got to Atlantic, you were independent, but you were at Columbia. Yeah. Right. So talk about that because you went from major to independent, back to major. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was still some money that was made. There was yeah. a lot of money that was sure, sure. What, what was that like? I always say, bro, Columbia was like, so my sister, Chelsea, Chelsea Blythe, she just became the VP of uh, UMG Nashville. Shout out to Chelsea. Um, but she's like the person that really got me into the industry. Like when I was driving down from the Bay Area, I was working with Nick Knack. Y'all remember Nick Knack? Nick Knack. I know the name. Nick Knack was a producer. He uh produced like these hoes ain't loyal for okay. Chris Brown, but he from the Bay. Okay. A legend. Yeah. But he was like the first person, him and like starting six, Young Murph, they were like the first people I seen move from the Bay and come to Los Angeles and really start making a name in the music industry. So I started getting in touch with them and I started doing the same thing, driving down from the Bay, linking up with them down here. And through being down here, I was watching Nick and Murph, like, go to different major sessions and writing for different people. And I was just learning things. And I was like, damn, um, I think I need to move down here. So Chelsea was actually an intern at Interscope at the time. So she was just kind of, like, getting into the game. She was working under Manny Smith. Shout out to Manny. And Chelsea brought me in for a meeting, and my music, was terrible, but my raps was good. <laughs> my music was terrible, but my raps was good. And Manny, he seen the potential in me. He was just like, keep doing your thing. And that was like two weeks after that, I met Kendrick Lamar. Oof. This is right before Good Kid, Mad City. So Kendrick seen a freestyle I did. He was like, bro, you dope. Like, keep doing your thing. A couple weeks later, Chelsea was like, come down to Vegas. I never even told this story. It's crazy. Exclusive. Chelsea was like, come to Vegas. Kendrick's performing at rehab, right? Like, he, he, he fucks with you. Like, come down here. So I jump in my Camaro. I got a Camaro at the time, right? Boom. I take that nine-hour drive from the <laughs> Bay all the way to uh, Vegas. So I get down there, me and my homie, my homie Jay Kane. So we get down there, and I'm on the side of the stage. So he getting ready to perform. He see me on the side of the stage. He like, he like, come up here. So I'm like, 
I'm like looking around, I'm like you Ooh, talking me? to me? <laughs> like it's K dot. Like, like come up here. So I go up there, boom, and I'm chilling, and I'm just watching the show. And I was like, this what I want to do. Uh, I was like, this what I want to do. Like I, I was already rapping, but like I was around people that was working in the industry. But when I seen somebody that like I related to as a rapper. I was like, this what the hell I want to do. And rehab was lit back then, too. Lit. This like 2013, 2012, we, somewhere around. Yeah, we was there. We yeah, was like it was, it was yeah. lit. <laughs> so that, that, that's what showed you like, all right, this is, this is possible. Like, yeah, no, so I'm about to tell you the whole story. So I look at Chelsea. So I'm like, Chelsea, I'm like, this what I want to do. She like, Sim, you got to move to L.A. She was like, it's... It's not the right, like the proper resources for you down there. You got to move. So I come down to L.A. I come to L.A. I'm hustling at the time, doing my thing. I got a couple dollars, right? I go broke in 90 days. <laughs> That's what I go. That's the name of the bio play. <laughs> the 90-day challenge. I go broke in 90 days Next because I'm thinking I got to buy the DJ's drinks and do all these different things and buy the tables in the club. So I'm just blowing it. But I'm not realizing, like, I'm supposed to be spending my money on developing my craft. So I ain't went and bought no studio. I ain't went and bought no laptop. I ain't got no software. I'm just going to sessions with Chelsea every day. To the point, some people just think I'm the weed man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just rolling up. Like, they texted Chelsea, like, who's this? Like, so, um, boom. So I uh, I start making a little money, just hustling, doing my thing. So I go get me a studio. I get a studio in a rehearsal hall, right, where they playing drums and everything. So you can hear the drums in the back of my music. So me and Chels get the studio. I meet Phonics and uh, D. Brooks. They was like the first people that kind of told me, like, how music was changing. Because this was at the time of when we was going from, like, the Drake, Cole Kendrick CD kind of air into like the streaming air mm. to where it was more melody driven. So through that, uh, I started writing with them for a lot of different people. Then we got a meeting to go play some records at Columbia. Okay. We got to Columbia and I was playing the records that we was writing for people. And they was like, uh, man, we want to sign. You want to put this out? But the records really wasn't me. It wasn't like me rapping and who I was. It was me doing what I think would work for other people. But I needed the money at the time. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm paying for this studio. I'm going broke. So they're like, we're going to give you $150,000. I'm like, run it. <laughs> you feel me? I'm like, run it. Where do I sign? Yeah, where do, where do I sign? Because I'm already knowing, like, I'm probably only going to put like one or two songs out and get dropped because I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Got so 50, though. What kind, of yeah. deal, what kind of deal was it? Like three albums? Like, it was It was a, like a two project. No, it was like three albums, I think. Three albums. Three, three albums. Three albums. And really, honestly, that happened because of Chills because I had no buzz, nothing. Like it was. she was the new A&R. She got hired over there. And, she, and the first person she signed was me. Mm. You know what I mean? So she brought me relationships. Into, yeah, shout out to Chelsea because that really kind of like helped boost like my thought process on what it is I need to do to better myself. To where when I got to Atlantic, I was more prepared and kind of knew how to move. Yeah, you got to go through that to get to this. Yeah, 
What My you, bad for being so nah, long winded. Uh, just curious, what what you do with the one fifty? Blew it. Or did you even so, get the wrong? How'd that? Yeah. <laughs> nah. So I learned a little bit from when I moved to L.A. So don't get me wrong, I fucked off a lot of the money. <laughs> I went and bought a Maserati. Like, so you, was, got, you got it up front, one fifty up front. Yeah, yeah. So I went and got a Maserati, just doing all kind of shit. But I invested into my studio. I start paying like different songwriters to come by the studio and teach me how to write hooks and different things like that. Phonics and D Brooks played a big part in that as well. But um, I invested in myself getting better as an artist. Mm. And um, through that, by the time that deal was over with, I dropped one song. I dropped one song. For that whole deal? Yeah, and it was a whole regime change, like three weeks after I dropped the song. And they let you, they just let you go? Let me go. And you didn't have anything? You didn't have, like, anything that you owed them, anything like that? Nothing. See, that's the good thing about labels. I'll be telling, like, I'll be telling LaRussell that, like, all the time. Like, I'll be like, bro. That's all I got. Like, bro, you can just go get, like, a quick 300 right quick and just get them people what they yeah. want and get out there quick. It ain't really work. Like, ain't no, it ain't like the streets where it's like, you can even pay a nigga back in the streets. He gonna always remind you, remember I let you hold that 300000 man. You owe me this. Like, it's different. It's like, it's business. Like, you know, you take what you get from them. You, however the business deal go is how it go. So one of the things that, all right, so from my vantage point, the major label gives you that stardom, right? It gives you like the push. It pushes you on different platforms. They play your song on the radio. They, you know, the downside to that is most of the time they own your music. They own mm -hmm. the masters, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's a what, downside depending on how you look at it. Of them owning your masters? Mm -hmm. All right. What's your What's your take on that? Some people can't do shit with their own masters. What's the what's point, the point of owning a hundred percent of nothing? It's yeah, worth like nothing. You just making thirty five hundred dollars of, of uh, <laughs> every ninety days off your music, and you own your rights. What's Why not give up a so, percentage to get a? So you're comfortable with not owning your masters at the moment because you see a. In the future, you want to own your masters? Yeah. Or you okay. But right yeah. now, you're looking at it from a standpoint where you're sacrificing not only your masters now to get to the point where you have stardom. So your masters... Deeper, than, deeper than stardom for me, um, it's also learning the industry. It's learning the game. So let's say one day I'm not in a situation with Atlantic. I'll still know who to call and who to talk to and who does what and what department at Apple, mm. who does what at Spotify and who I need to talk to to get playlisted over there. So it's deeper than just stardom. It's learning the system. So one day I'm going to have to create my own and then I'll know who to go to to make that spark. Yeah, that, relationships. Yeah, it's, relationships. It's, it's one of those advantages. And it's, I think... Even for us, when when Charlemagne was, you know, we were over at Black Effect, it was like, figure about what everybody's doing. Because yeah. at some point, what y'all are building will be bigger, and you'll know the people to go to. Exactly. You said something very important. You said that you didn't have to team, you had to build one. Yeah. And it made me think of this, this line on, on sacrifices. And you were saying, the people that I'm with ain't the people I should have made it with. Yeah. That's pretty complex. Yeah. Right? So, like, talk about that, because it's like, you are aware that, these ain't the people I should have be around. Yeah. The people on the other side are the people that really gave me the push to get here. How do you like how do you manage that? So, like I said, bro, in the um in the Bay, it was tough for me to develop a team. In the Bay Area, it's, it's it's tough. It's tough trying to break through. 
and everybody got their own things going on. And it's not like my friends are passionate about my dream as I am. Mm. Money, it comes with a lot of questions. How do I save? Where should I invest? Can I build wealth to pass on? It's hard to know where to get the answers. That's why the people at Fidelity do what they do. They make it easier for you to get information to make better money decisions. They've got articles and videos, tips and apps, and insights and perspectives that can make planning, saving, and investing less stressful. And when you want to talk it through, there's a real person on the other end with real answers. Helping people is what they do. And as a part of their $250 million Invest in My Education initiative, Fidelity is supporting eligible students from underserved communities in the Boston, Dallas, Fort Worth, and Raleigh-Durham areas by combining scholarships with ongoing assistance, mentorship, and better paths to post-graduation employment. Want to learn more? Visit fidelity.com slash blackwealth. You know, so it's tough to um, make them a part of that sometimes when it's like you growing at a certain pace and they not like kind of growing at the job that they need to do to help keep you there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it was very tough for me to try to like put a team together amongst who I was around. So I had to go find outsource help. So the people who ended up helping me, like my production company, who I'm signed to, Star Island, shout out to them. They're based out of Philadelphia. But that happened through a relationship that I had with someone that they introduced me to them. We seen eye to eye on the same things. I seen they just as passionate about what they do as I am with what I do. And I'm like, you know what? I need to link with them. They ended up getting me my deal at Atlantic. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's like sometimes you got to kind of reach out, you know, and get outsource help but that don't mean you got to forget who didn't help it's still as you grow you'll be able to open new doors and find new roles for people that was there before and you all i want to go back to the the label thing because that's pretty insightful it's like sometimes you have to infiltrate the system to learn the system exactly to to create your own system yeah and that's something that dane you know dane yeah dane always tell us that all the time like um you know because we work with a lot of different corporate relationships like we got to show a revolt Shout out to Revolt. Yeah, um, shout out to Revolt. He did, he did an episode with us and he came in and he says like a movie production. It was like a hundred different cameramen and all of that. And he was like, yo, how much does this um, cost to do this? I'm like, I don't know. And he was like, well, how don't you know? Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, this, this isn't our production. It's mm -hmm. their production. He was like, you turn into talent that quick? Mm -hmm. He was like, you supposed to know. Like He was like, even if it's not, you're not paying for it. Now you understand how a higher level production works. And you can say, okay, this is needed. This isn't needed. This is da 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 And then when he said that to me, I'm like, damn, he's right. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because now it's like when we're producing shows like that, we already have the inside information. Mm -hmm. Because we've learned it. Mm -hmm. A lot of people just go through it and they're just talent. Yep. They never take the time to learn the business. But yep. it's like, that's really like being an intern. Yep. Like you got the inside vantage point of how a corporate structure works. And that's actually what we did even, like I said, with iHeart. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, now we see how contracts work, how how to run a podcast network. Exactly. Yeah. Now we can run a podcast network yeah. kind of mirrored off of, you know, we take some things, we add different things. So I think people need to fully understand that. Like yeah. whether, no matter what you do, you play sports, you do music, whatever, it's okay not to be the owner, but you should be learning. You should understand what's going on. That's a fact. Because yeah. it's like, you you never know how you're going to need something. 
You know what I mean? Or when you're going to need it. So it's it's like you could be going through something. You might think like, oh, okay, this is how I seen it done over here. So let me kind of see how this works over here. Let me apply something over here. But if you never see that, you'll never know to do that. That's a fact. So I agree with that, bro. One thousand percent. So let me ask you this. As far as you have a very unique way of marketing yourself on social media, right? Like yeah. freestyles and you active. It's similar to La Russell. Like I feel like you guys, because a lot of artists don't utilize social media. I like agree. they have like eight posts. Yeah. They're like very like artsy with it. Like mm-hmm. they got like one post like with a banana and it's just like no caption. Yeah. I understand that I guess mystique, but you guys, you on Instagram like every day. Like, yeah. so what's your strategy with that? Like you just going to just put out 10 posts a day. Nah, um, see, La Russell's different. La Russell do about six posts a day. <laughs> like on a good day, yeah, on a good day, I might give you two. Um, but I try to, I try to curate like things of culture. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. things that we haven't seen in a while. Like I always think like um like what would hip hop in the early 2000s look like in 2023? That's how I kind of approach social media. So it's like like what will Pac be doing courtside? You know what I'm saying? With the camera out. Like what how will Hove be rapping? What will he be addressing? So for me, I'm always trying to find like cultural moments that we as a culture could kind of be like, damn, this make me feel something or this remi- this makes me remember a time in hip hop that I was growing up or something like that. Um so for me it's always looking for cultural moments. I'm not like just into like freestyling every day on my platform. <laughs> like or just posting music every day. Like, I post the things that I like to do, and I try to tie them into the culture that I love and show people how we could all come together through social media. Yeah, you said that community is your thing. Yeah. Building community. Yeah. And so it was interesting. I'm listening to you, and you're talking about mom. Yeah. And mom was big on community, bought homes, uh, had real estate. Yeah. Right? Bought a restaurant. Yep. I'm like, you watched mom do all that, and you still said... I want to go into the world of entertainment. Yeah. So talk about the lessons that you were you learned from mom watching her build community and being an entrepreneur that made you say, all right, well, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I want to do it in music. Bro, I was an entertainer before my mama was a real estate agent. <laughs> like, I just knew as a kid, like, this was what I was going to do. Whether it was in sports you know what I mean? Whether it was in music, whether it was in movies, whatever it was going to be, I just knew I was going to be in entertainment. And um, I love what my mom do. You know what I mean? Like, my mom always like, you should do this, you should do that, jumping rules. It's just not something I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm passionate about entertaining people with information. You know what I mean? And learning things and showing people how, like, you could grow up and it's cool to grow. Like, I be feeling like in hip-hop, sometimes, like, they make it like we all got to just be, like, a young, wild nigga. You know what I mean? Like, we can't just grow up, you know what I mean, and post our cribs, post our families and different things like that. So I try to be, like, a representation of that. Um, and my mom was crazy is she was a rapper. Ah. Uh. My mom was a rapper before she was a real estate agent. So technically, 
I'm the version of my mom that didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, a dream deferred. <laughs> didn't make it in music because she made it in real estate. So she she's she invests in real estate too, right? Yeah, she's heavy in real estate. So I know you're not passionate about that, but do you like consult? What like is it a situation where it's like, I right, I'm gonna give you some money and then you like you do it, or I'm investing you? Nah, like we just literally got a um a property. Me and one of my partners right here, not like literally, bro, about two miles away. Oh yeah, on Hollywood Boulevard. So you are investing in real estate. Yeah, like I got a, a media company that was, that we actually started. So that's why we was talking about infiltrating the system. These same cameras you got, we just bought. Oh. So, you know what I mean? Like, I, I can show you, I'll show you my whole thing and my setup, but we getting ready to um, produce a lot of different shows out of our space. So we got a four floor unit. And on the first floor is for podcasting, television and film. The second floor, we got a watch room. The third floor, we got a studio. And the fourth floor is for gaming and AI. Mm. So I'm all about like innovation. That's what I'm passionate about. But real estate is not something to where I could just sit here and tell you, well, the market is doing this. So my, you know what I mean? Like that ain't what I do. I talk to my mom. I let her know what I want to do. And then I invest in things kind of around that. So a content, a content house. Yeah. It's a good idea, especially in LA. Yeah. Everybody's making content. And yeah. you really, you hit every, every one. You got a studio, recording studio on there? Yeah. So you got the podcast, recording studio, gaming studio. That's everything. Yep. That's everything that people are doing right now. Yeah. So talk about, so we, we spoke to Akon and he was talking about like how music, for him, he was like, if you look at all of the people that's really been successful as far as like making a lot of money, they ain't do it through music. He was like, his thing was always just use music as a catalyst to get into the door, to build your name, to get recognition, and then just start spinning off and doing other things. Um, Obviously, you still newer in the game, but yeah. is that something that you you thought about or you're thinking about as far as like you know using your stardom and then you know branching off and doing other stuff? So I agree with that until Akon said a certain word. A certain word was through because all of this shit happened through music. You know what I mean? Like so, yes, we may not ob obtain the money through real estate we can make, but Music is what gave us the money to go into real estate. Um, so 1,000%, that's something that I definitely want to do. Like, I was talking to Joe. That's who kind of taught me that. I know y'all know Joe. Fat Joe? No, Joe Budden. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we know. And Joe told me. <laughs> I know. Yeah, Joe told me, like, two years ago, like, he was like, bro, you're going to do good in rap. You're going to do all these different things, but you should really lock into your other passions because it comes down to what else can you do outside of music because you have to do it again in different spaces um so that's the whole reason why i wanted to create a, a content house because it was like what's the one thing i'm missing to make me feel like i'm not giving my best every day and what i notice is um which is something i'm fixing now my schedule used to be so scattered you know what I mean? I'll be at a session this day. I'm doing a podcast this day. Somebody called me to do this video. I'm popping up. I didn't really, like, create a balance. And because of that, I would be recording at this studio or recording at this studio with this engineer and this different engineer. My music would kind of be sounding a little bit all over the place. So I needed somewhere to, like, centralize my creativity. And that was the whole point of the content space. So what we're doing there is... um creating different podcasts, creating different television shows, creating music and different brands for different people and gaming and different ideas like that. So that's definitely something that 
So is this, is that it. studio like anybody can just rent out, or is it like in house? Like these people are like kind of like signed to you. It's some people can rent out, but just not the public. The okay. public can't rent it out. But if you connected and know how to get in touch with the studio manager, the studio manager will lock you in to get through. So there. you're building that, right? So you're building the studio manager. It's become. No, we got it already. Oh, a, Shout out to Brad, my man Brad. It's already done. Yeah, we got a studio manager. Um, we actually looking for. Uh, a producer right now to like come in and produce a lot of these different ideas that we have and we just sat down with three different people this week um so it's it's full like coming together i plan to have everything up and running by august 1st but like we we coming together strong so do you plan to scale it so i know you started here but real estate is a global thing yeah. right and so you got ties to philly we know yeah. in new york is a vision to scale this model and do it throughout the country. 1,000%. Okay. 1,000%. And, like, even when you, like, walk in, like, I want to take y'all so y'all can see it, but it's like when you walk in, it's more of, like, a museum of culture. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, like, I got paintings coming in that's, like, Mount Rushmore's are, like, New York rappers and Mount Rushmore's are L.A. rappers and Mount Rushmore's are Southern rappers and, like, a podcast painting. So it's, like, kind of like a real creative house for our culture to where when people come in, it's like you actually want to be creative and want to work. It's like uh, FaZe House. No, You know FaZe Clan? I don't think I... I FaZe Clan is this big video gaming crew. They got like a billion dollar valuation. They're huge, like all of a lot of rappers Whoa. and athletes and all of that. But I, oh, I think I heard of them. My yeah. boys from Game Over was telling me about okay. that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So they created a whole culture. My son put me on to him because they, they um, <clears throat> he's a gamer. So I started doing research on them, and they created a whole culture. It's they have a house, yeah, and they got like twelve different people. It's like you know different personalities, but they play video games. Mm-hmm. But it's like that house is just like. A cultural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the idea of doing something like that for the with a hip hop twist, I think, is dope. Yeah, like I'm gonna be hosting, like, I'm getting ready to drop a new project soon. I'm gonna be doing my listening party there. You know what I mean? For an exclusive 50 people. Like, um, I was just with Dave Chappelle the other night, you know, and we was uh, he was talking, I was showing him the studio and everything. We was talking about possibly him coming through and doing like Something private, you know what I mean? <laughs> just like making it like a place of like just a vibe, yeah, like cultural shit. We even came up with this idea of having a restaurant that's open twelve days a year, you mm. know, and like each pop up. once a pop month, up. yeah, like a pop up thing, and you Celebrity invite chef? different people. Exactly, you invite different people. So like we, it's 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 coming together real cool. No, that's dope. Yeah, that's yeah, I like that. Twelve days a year. That means once a month. Yeah. And each each day, each day of the month would be a different theme. So, like, let's say January would do Italian. February would be soul food. Uh, March would be, like, Chinese food. Like, something different every time. The time has come, ladies and gentlemen. InvestFest, that's right. That's right. InvestFest 2023 is here. August 25th, 26th, and 27th in Atlanta, Georgia. We are taking it to a new level. Bigger than ever. This year, we're going to do 20,000 people in Atlanta, Georgia. I want you to do yourself a favor. Head over to investfest.com right now. We will have activations from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Three days, musical performances, billionaires. Everything is going to be a completely life-changing experience. Vendor Marketplace, Food Truck Village, you know how we do. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Head over now. Creative House? Yeah. 
Yeah. We actually had a similar idea to that. We we actually actually implemented it, but just for events. Shout out to United Masters. We have a, a franchise with them called Earn Your Masters. Yeah. We do South by Southwest. We do Arkansas. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. And we did New York Fashion Week. And it's like a pop-up event. And we, like, interview, like, Timbaland. And we have, like, musical artists perform. Like, Toby perform. And it's just kind of like a bunch of just random stuff, just cultural. But that idea for the house was something that, you know, originally thought about. Even, like, going back to the real world. Yeah. Remember the real world? Exactly. Like, you know what I'm saying? You from that era. You know that. Yeah. (laughs) That was the first social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the first social media. That was the first time we seen people. I say social media. Yeah. And I'm going to say why I say social media, because I feel like reality TV is a form of social media. But I feel like it was the first time we seen people we didn't know from nowhere yeah. just on a public platform being becoming a celebrity. That's a fact. Yeah. So that's why I say it's more social media than, re- even though it was reality TV, but it's like, that's what social media is today. It's like everybody has a public platform for them to have an opinion. The everyday or, person. You know what I mean? Be somebody. And real world was like the first kind of concept we seen of that. That's a fact. <laughs> that's a fact. I never thought about it like that, but yeah. that's a fact. Shout out to the original New York cast. Yeah. Jersey Shore, too. Yeah. Jersey. Heather, Heather yeah. That's what a up? Fact. <laughs> um, so you, 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 you have an interesting song, The Goat. Yeah. Speaking of the Mount Rushmore, that made me think about that. There's always debates on the goats, right? Who's the the LeBron, Jordan, top five, top four basketball players? Who's the top four lyricists, top five, dead or alive? Your spin on it is that we all goats. We all goats. But everybody can't be a goat. Let's be honest. You can. Can you? Really? Because... Where in the United States Constitution is there laws for a goat? No, I'm just saying, no. though, because goat, <laughs> goat, so the goat. Well, we got to first give homage to LL, because before LL, we never heard the word goat. But I think Muhammad Ali was. I don't know if that's true. I If I went back and looked, we, he, he, he called himself the greatest of all time. Muhammad Ali called himself the greatest the of all time. acronym, though. LL, he, he pioneered. I heard a story pioneered. that it was somebody before LL, but I can't remember the story, so I shouldn't even have said that. But I heard he, he, it was somebody. He was before. running with that. He named his album that. The goat, and he definitely, he was, yeah, he said he was vocal. He was very vocal. The acronym. He owned it. He was he the owned, first one yeah, to own it. Yeah. He owned it. Yeah, I, I think you can't, anybody could be a goat because there's no law or there's no real criteria to say who's the greatest of all time. But do you, do you water down, like the the word legend, right? D- it gets watered down. Legend definitely. Is everybody a legend? Well, I think no. legend, be, it, there could be multiple, right? When you say greatest, no. it almost becomes singular, right? Like yeah. if you're the greatest to do something, then you're the best to do it. Yeah. Legend is like, Multiple. You could be a legend in different genres and different things. Yeah. But I, I understand why you said that, and I, I appreciate the message. I think, like, let's take a Dylan Brooks, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shout out to him. But I'm just saying, <laughs> things like that, that's where it starts getting... You but start Dylan to Brooks is a legend. No, he's not. Okay, nah, now nah, look. Nah, watch nah, this. Nah, 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 watch this. Nah, Where's he watch from? This. Where's he from? My point. And so Ala- Dylan he's from Alaska. Bro- he's from Alaska. Dylan Brooks could be from some Canada or something, right? Oh, yeah, he's from Canada. He's from... So, Ontario. He could be somebody that's the first from his neighborhood, from his bro, yeah. who yeah. did what he's doing in America. But not even to, just his hood. To them, he's a legend. He might, and when he goes on the canvas of Oregon, he probably a legend. He's a legend. 
That's a fact. How many guys from Oregon make it to the league and have a career? Not many. Josh Dylan Brooks, man. It leads way. It leads, I'll see you in the NBA next season, it leads my brother. Way to a false reality, though, because a lot of even in rap, right? There's rappers where you start to disregard a leg, like a true legend, right, and say like, "Yo, he's not all," and it's like. That comes from it's a lack. Is Soldier Boy a legend? Yes. Yes. Is Hurricane Chris a legend? Mm. Hurricane Chris. A Bebe? Yeah. That legend word is just so strong. Is Hurricane Chris a legend? From the Bay. To me? No, he's, no, he's, not he's from, from the he's Bay. He's from Louisiana. Oh, 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 is oh. Hurricane Chris a legend? No. Because he has a legendary song? Yes. yes. How is he not a legend? Because he hasn't, his, his body of work. I think in order to be a legend, it's like a resume, right? The resume doesn't doesn't check those. One thing doesn't make you a legend. It's a legendary What's moment. the pure definition of legend? Doing things that nobody has ever done. Being extremely consistent. Um, doing it on larger scales. Uh, being a pioneer. Uh, these are all things that, you know, you can say, all right, you do all, you check a lot of these boxes, you're a legend. Okay. To I me. think Hurricane Chris checks off about three of those things you said. <laughs> three? Yeah. What's three? Except consistency. All right. Well, he, he did something legendary. And he did something most people can't do, which is make a hit record. That's a fact. And what was the other one you said? Uh, consistency. Pioneer. Pioneer. He pioneered some shit. What did he pioneer? <laughs> <laughs> hey, baby. But that's not his, though. Hey, baby's not his. Uh, uh, he pioneered turning the uh, DJ's name into a hook. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm saying. It was a DJ. It's a DJ's name. Hey, Shout out to Bebe. Yeah, he's from Dallas. Remember, Shout out to the same. Bebe. The yeah. same day we met you, we met him. He's yeah. like, yo, that's mine. We met Bebe. Yeah. yeah. Did we? At, 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 at Radio Room. At Radio Room. Shout he was the first one to he's make a, a DJ name a record. Exactly. Okay. There you go. Well, he's a legend. Nah, he's not the first. We can't even give him that. Who? Eric Brief, for president. Makes the DJ the legend. The song's not even rock. It's Eric B for president. But Bay Bay's the hook. But Eric B for president makes the DJ on the forefront. Eric B for president was the name of the song. Exactly. But even Jazzy Jeff doesn't have a song. All right, we're sounding like dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where are we going next? Africa. I want to go to Africa, man, Africa. and uh, because. I watched that that trip that you took and it was powerful. Yeah. And uh, we drove down those roads. We went to Lagos, Nigeria ourselves. Yeah. And um, to see you do it, I was like, wow, he gets it. Yeah. So I want to know what inspired that trip because most people, and we just came from Afrikan and shout out to everybody at Afrikan. Yeah. You know, they, we had, uh, were honored out there. And um, we understood the mission of connecting the diaspora and bigger than just talking about it, actually going to see the people and putting your feet on the ground. So I want to know what inspired you, and then and, and we'll take it from there. So I was sitting in Atlanta um, when I was on tour, and I was talking to this guy, and I was like, um, you know, saying all these different things about where I want to go. And he was like, uh, I said something like, I'm an African-American man. We was talking about something. He was like, oh, you ever been to Africa? And I was like, nah. And he was like, so you're an African-American man and you've never been to Africa. And I was like, damn. <laughs> and it hurt even more that a white dude said it. Ooh. It was like, damn. So I was like, I need to go to Africa. So I started looking into like, you know, what I could do to go and all these different things. So I got a homie named Ayo who's from Nigeria. Um, met through my guy, Frank. Shout out, Frank. And Ayo um, was telling me, 
he was actually getting ready to go back over there and do some things for the kids and, you know, telling me how, like, everybody um, comes over there and they usually bring, like, clothes or money, but they never really bring things to, like, help these kids or whatever. So I was like, man, let's go. Like, I'm down to go. So we all go over there, and immediately when we get over there, we realize, like, well, right before we kind of knew, like, it was a, uh, they're not as advanced in technology as we are over here, right? As for like they got computers and different things like that, but they don't have it in abundance like we do. Mm-hmm. So we was already talking about bringing laptops over there for the kids. But I got a homegirl who works in AI. She has a dope program that we was like we could put onto the laptops to where it could help the kids learn to navigate through the computer faster. So we go over there, bro. Um. And immediately, dog, when I get over there, it was like a culture shock. It was like a real culture shock because the first thing is so hot. At the airport. Bro. <laughs> the airport, like a bus terminal. No disrespect, but we I'll let you finish, but we got a story. All right. We got a few bro, stories. We got a few, lot of stories. Yeah. Bro, it was so hot to where immediately, like, it make you take the labels off. <laughs> You feel like you're not you not worried about getting fly every day. Nah. You ain't worried about your outfit. Mm-hmm. You ain't worried about that. So that process puts you in humanity. You know what I'm saying? So now you moving like how you don't have to move over here. A lot of it over here is about elitist and status and all these different things, what kind of shoes you got on. Over there is like, you know, what you really contributing to our people. You know what I mean? Like how are you helping us as a people? So I get over there, man, and I'm moving through. So we would stand on the island, and then we would go into the mainland every day. Mm-hmm. So we going into the mainland, and I'm seeing just, like, cows and, like, people just, like, selling everything they could find and, like, doing all these different things. So I met this kid. Kid's in front of the store. He's rapping or whatever. I'm like, damn, this kid kind of dope. I ended up posting the kid or whatever. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, posted him. It went up. Everybody in Nigeria um, start tagging them. And all. Yeah, start tagging them. Everything right. So I immediately start getting hit. Yo, we want you to come to this radio station. Yo, we want you to come to this thing. Like, oh, we want you to come to uh, Africa today. It's like the CNN Africa over there. So now I'm on a press run. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know what I mean? Organic. I'm on an organic press run. Just like literally went there to see the city. I'm on a press run, and I'm bringing Lucky with me. Bringing them with me. Talking about everything. So on the first day, we go do some interviews. And I'm like, man, I'm hungry. So we go over to this restaurant across the street. And we get some food. And I'm like, what you want to eat? And he like, like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, what you mean? So my homie, he like, look, you ever ate at a restaurant? <laughs> he like, no. Damn. How old was he? 14. He was like, you ever had a hamburger? He was like, no. It was like pretty much like he eats rice and like these things called bones every day, which is like these like small chicken, uh, like like chicken gizzards kind of. So we get him a hamburger, bro, and I watch him eat the hamburger, and it immediately made me just be like, bro, we got life fucked up. We got life fucked up over here, bro. We be so consumed with the bullshit to where it's like we don't even really see the life in front of us. So 
from that day, from when I seen that, I just started living in it, bro. You know what I mean? Like, I just start going where the people was at. If people was hitting me like, yo, you got this going on. I'm like, I'm pulling up. DeVito had a concert. I pulled up. He brought me out on stage. You know, so one thing I noticed was just like the love. I'm doing all this movement. I ain't looked over my shoulder one time. I ain't felt like nobody was about to rob me one time. I ain't feel like nobody was finna take my jewelry or do something to my son not one time. Now, they gonna ask you for some money. <laughs> <laughs> they gonna ask you for some money. You know what I mean? I saw when you pulled up with the van. <laughs> yeah, they gonna ask you for a little money. But it wasn't like I felt threatened if I didn't give them any. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was just like, God, like this is, this is how it should feel with us amongst our people. It shouldn't feel like I got to have a gun to go to this spot because bro might take my chain or I got to park my car over here. Cause you know, like it didn't feel like that. Not one time. It just felt like love. So, um, it just really put me in a space, bro, of like living and just letting life happen instead of trying to make it happen. How long was you there for? Two weeks. I was there for two weeks. I was supposed to go to Ghana the second week and then, I just fell in love with the people in Nigeria. I was like, bro, I'm staying here. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm, I'm here with the people. That You, you said something. So is, is that what you found? Because you, you said this quote. You said that uh, we buy things here to showcase a part of ourselves yeah. that we never took time to find. And so I'm wondering, is that what you found, that inner piece to saying, like, this is what life should be? Bro, like, I ain't really, if you peep, like the last, like since I got back, I ain't really been wearing jewelry. I wear my watch, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's like, I don't really wear it because over there it made me realize like, like bro, this shit don't make me a better rapper. It don't make me a better person. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just something to show people to get them to pay attention to me. I could find another way to do that. I'm creative enough to find another way to do that. So it's like, I ain't about to just feel like I got to just put on jury every day to go do an interview or make people rock with my music. You either going to rock with it or you not. Mm. And I'm at peace with that. I'm not trying to impress you no more. Liberating you know? feeling? Yeah. It is what it is. Like, let life happen. However it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And that was a, that was because of Nigeria? All because of Nigeria, bro. The whole time. Like, the first two days was rough. Why? Like, because you can't really shower the way we shower over here because we can't drink their water. So as nice as a house that we was in, the shower thing was still like a sprinkler. So it's like I'm washing my body, <laughs> but I can't really wash my face. I'm washing my face with a bottle of water. Brushing my teeth with a bottle of water, you know. So it was just like, That's fact, yeah. It's it it was it was a culture shock. But it's like once you get used to it, you get used to the heat. You ain't really tripping off like clothes and what you gotta wear and like all these different things. It's just like like it's people in the club actually partying. Yeah. Now the parties is crazy. Parties crazy. You like said they you dance. You you didn't move around with any security. You know, I had security. Okay. I had top flight security. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like, wait, yeah. I had top flight security of the world. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. You know what I'm saying? We had cops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, um, I ain't one of them rappers that be talking. <laughs> I'm out here on my jury all club. Nah, nah, I was gonna say. every day, no security. Yeah, That yeah, ain't yeah. me, champ. I was running around with cops, champ. I got my son out there. Lock I got to get back home. Military. 
Yeah, yeah, I gotta yeah. get back home, bro. Nah, that's a fact. I gotta get home. That's, uh, that's how we was moving, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. everywhere they like, slept at the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Outside waiting for us. Yeah, the they was at the crib, like yeah. it okay. was serious. Yeah, but, I was like, I thought that part got left out there. I was like, wait, did you have no? Okay, he did. Yeah, nah, I definitely did. But um, safety first. Nah, going over there, like it, it showed me, and then like I shot the music video that we just dropped, yep. Top G over there, and even how that happened, like I was in the projects. Bro, like one of the worst hoods over there is called Lagos Island. How how'd that happen? Dog, I'm I'm in the I'm in the crib. Now keep in mind, I bring a studio over there. So my crazy ass. What do you is mean fine. you bring a studio? Like I brought like a laptop okay. with like a mic and like uh, a studio setup. Okay, okay. So my ass over there finding random people on the street that singing. Like, bro, come to the crib. Like, get on the sprinter. Like, come to the crib. Like, like, like I'm to the point my homie I was like, Sim, you can't be, you got to chill. Doing, like, doing too much. Yeah, like, everybody can't much. just be coming over there like yeah, that. Way too much. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to chill. So I'm be, I'm bringing people to the crib, bro. And um, they just recording. Like, they recording, they recording. And I'm like, damn, these dudes is talented as hell. Like, you know, they talented as hell. So... The engineer who I had engineering, I kept telling him, like, um, no, we had got back. The day we had got back from uh, taking the laptops to the school, we got 100 laptops to the school. We went and did that. I got back, and my homie self, uh, who was the engineer that was engineering all the kids that was over there, he was like, bro, is this something you wanted to do, like, before you get up out of here? Because I was leaving in two days. And I was like, man, I did want to shoot a video, but... I couldn't really get it how I wanted to get it. And he was like, what you want it to look like? I was like, bro, I want to show Nigeria. Like, I don't want to show the island. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like we could show that too. Like, let's show both sides. Let's show the difference between the island and the mainland. So if you watch the video, it's a conversation with me and myself. Like, that's kind of like the island and the mainland. Mm-hmm. So I'm starting off in the mansion. Right where I'm in the crib, that's the island where the cribs is nice and it's gold trimming on the tile and the marble and everything. Banana, but, Banana Island? Uh, nah, it's uh, Lagos Island. Okay, okay. So these were the big cribs and everything. At, but then when you go into the mainland, it's yeah, more the, poverty. The so we showing both sides of it. So I'm like, I'm telling him that I want to show that. And he like, I got the perfect people for you. So he called his production crew called Whack People. And they come through and li- literally, bro, like two hours, like just pull up to the crib. They like, yeah, bro, what you want to do? I'm like, man, I want to shoot a video, but like, I want it to look clean. I don't want it to look like we just had a regular DSLR camera and we just shot whatever. And mm-hmm. he was like, nah, I got you. He was like, uh, it was like, give me, give me a couple hours. Right. So he called back in like six hours. He was like, when you want to shoot? I'm like, shit, we can shoot now. He's like, I'm on the way. So they pull up, bro. They got all the equipment. We go to this spot uh, where my man Vector, that's his neighborhood that we was at. So that whole community over there, Vector take care of a lot of that community. He's a big staple over there. He's like what Kendrick Lamar is to us. He's that to them over there. So uh, go meet Vector. Tell him what I want to do. He's like, come on, bro. I'll take you through. We go through the neighborhood. 
Earners, what's going on? Listen, EYLU is relaunching, revamping, retooling. That's right, we're creating a new educational experience that's more expensive. Charlie, tell me what we got. Yes, 2023. We got a lot in store, a lot planned for you guys. So you know that EYLU already includes monthly financial planning calls with me, book club calls with Troy, real estate calls with MG the Mortgage Guy, access to the home buying blueprint, volume one and volume two. Part of the revamp will include 27 local chapters from across the United States, live interactive teaching, hands-on, not just pre-recorded videos, plus 15 brand new curriculums. The biggest just got bigger. Head over to EYLUniversity.com. That's E-Y-L-U-N-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y.com. See you there. We just filmed a video, bro, like all night. We just chilling, like we eating, like I'm taking they herbal shots and everything. You got like, you some Jello fries? Yeah, I <laughs> Jell off every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was just over there, bro, just rocking with the people. I had my son with me outside, bro. It was like 12 midnight. We just out there, the neighborhood, kicking in with the kids, and it was just love. It was love. So it's it's definitely a. Uh, something that's a part of my life at this point because we actually ended up signing Lucky. Oh, yeah? Wow. Yeah. So we got him a spot over there. We, he has a studio over there now because he was living in a straw house with seven siblings. His parents don't, you know, less fortunate. So um, we actually, you know, got him in a better situation. He's making music. But the thing that impressed us about Lucky the most was more than the music and everything. He said the main thing he wanted and life was to learn because he never really had the chance to go to school. So we helping him, you know, get in school and, and learning. So more than just putting his music out and like trying to turn him to a rap star, it's like allowing him the ability to grow up and have a dream. I feel like a lot of kids over there don't really get the time to dream, you know, so that's something that we want to provide for him. Oh, that's, yeah. that's context, man. We, we talk about education reform yeah. here. But we missed the part where it's like there's people who only have access to education. Yeah. So that that's big. I mean, when, when you were there, one of the things we saw was the amount of youth. Yeah. There's so much youth. Yeah. And so we always look at Africa as a place, especially Nigeria, as a place of like tremendous resource, mm -hmm. right? Because imagine if you give or you help imp import education, import mindset, import infrastructure and business. What does the country look like? What does the continent look like? Is that something that you plan to do going forward, continuously going to Africa, going to different countries inside so, of the continent? So me and Victor actually is uh, working on a project together. Um, and we actually are shooting a documentary mm -hmm. that we started over there. And it's called Bridge the Gap. And it uh, speaks on, and the documentary will be the first documentary produced by my media company that I was telling you guys about. Um, but it goes into the difference between and so does the project we making with the music to it. It goes into the difference between the African and the African-American. And statistically, a whole bunch of different things that we cover um, and why we are the way we are. Um, and really kind of highlighting that to motivate people over here to stop looking at Africa as a place with just kids with flies in their face that like what America shows us over here, like America, like a lot of Americans think that a lot of Africans don't rock with us over there. 
and I asked that question over there, and that's not necessarily true. Um, the media paints that perception, so we look at them that way, and there's this combative spirit. But really, bro, our people love us. They love us over there. So if we took time to actually go over there and like, okay, let's build a school. Let's build a gymnasium. Let's build studios. Let's build, like I seen three gas stations the whole time I was there, bro. Like, let's go build some gas stations over there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what's the process? Even if we can't figure out how to do it, let's figure the process out so the next generation can. But I feel like that's something we need to look forward to because on some real shit, like, uh, America ain't doing too good right now, champ. <laughs> you know what I mean? And eventually we're going to have to go over there and, and, and see what's going on with our people. So it's it's important that we start somewhere. We got to start somewhere, but that's definitely something I'm interested in is, you know, um, getting some things going over there and bringing more people back over there so we could unify over there. Yeah, no, it's interesting. We, um, we've been tapping in a lot with the continent and, um, we were in DC a while ago and we was talking to some people from East Africa and, um, one of the, the women specifically, she was talking about the movie Black Panther. Mm hmm. Right, very insightful. You from you from the Bay Area, so mm -hmm. like the Black Panther movie, especially that first one, it's a lot of hidden messages in that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean, obviously the Black Panthers, Black Panther Party started in Oakland, but as far as like how she described it to me was ill. She was like, you know, it's it's like a parent that has a child, right, where the child might have been abducted, and the parent didn't really fight for the child. Mm -hmm. So it's two parts to this. Now the child starts to act out, right? Becomes more sexually active, joins gangs. It's all out of like frustration mm -hmm. because they, they have an attachment to their biological parents, but they don't necessarily know them, mm. but they've never really gotten over that feeling of just being kicked out and left alone and not like you never came back for mm -hmm. me. And then the parents have some sort of a, a grief and they kind of feel some sort of blame for not, going after the child. Mm. So it's trauma on both sides, both right? Sides. And it's like the only way to really heal that trauma is to be reconnected. Yeah. And it was like Killmonger in the movie, like he's a very rebellious person. And it, and it's like his story to me is like the story of African-Americans, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, I feel like we've both been played against each other. Where it's like, we look at it Big like- time. Not everybody, but there's been a, a campaign in the media to be like, all these Africans don't care about you, da 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 da. Like they sold you to slavery, da da da. Mm -hmm. And then the Africans is like, well, they they're slaves. Like they they're nonsense. They they always troublemakers in America. They always get in trouble. They mm -hmm. killing each other. They doing all of that, right? But it's like there's reasons f for both sides why there's dysfunction. And now I think it's dope, and especially with the music, is now we starting to bridge that gap, and we realizing that there's more similarities than yep. differences, and we have expertise that could be beneficial because we mm -hmm. went through a system in America that nobody has ever exactly. gone through, mm -hmm. and we survived it. Exactly, and they have the resources, so it's like if we can if we can we lend our expertise with their traditions and their resources, now that's an unstoppable combination. It's, it's very unstoppable. It will make us like the most dominant place on earth. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I'm fully for it, bro. Like I'm all for it. That's a great, that's a great uh, analogy you just broke down too. I gotta rewatch the movie now from that perspective because <laughs> that's dope. You know what's crazy? Somebody told me over there, um, it was like 
It was like one of the main reasons, like, we we look at you guys with an eye up is because you guys put your data in retirement homes. And I said, what you mean? They was like, you guys put your grandparents and your mothers in retirement homes when those are the people who have the information to feed the children. Mm. How are the kids supposed to learn when you're in the midst of living life and learning yourself? Those are the people that lived it. They're supposed to pass that down. That's something. We don't do that over here. Yeah. And I never looked at it like that. that. That was one of the conversations we had with Akon as well. And he was like, the wisdom of the elders. Yeah. Like, even at, at a level of success or quote-unquote success that he's had, he still, before he makes a decision, checks in with his elders. Yeah. Because they have wisdom. Even if it's not in the business sense, they have wisdom of life. Yeah. And he thinks, that's one of the things that's missing. That when we talk about generational gaps, yeah. it's like, how do we keep our elders as a part of the lineage of information to a younger generation, right? We talk about the population being so young in Africa, but do they know those traditions of tapping in with the elders, Thanks. right? Again, because there's a certain level of knowledge that they can pass down, right? And you add that knowledge to the creativity, the in innovation, mm -hmm. and the energy that the youth have, and that becomes an unstoppable force. Unstoppable. Well, we got to realize it, though. 1, but I think that was done intentionally because it's African tradition where right. elders are respected. And it's African tradition. Like, I, I went to the, the Louvre in Paris, which is, like, the most well-respected museum of all time. And it was interesting to me because I was looking at the Egyptian. Um, you could spend a whole day just in the Egyptian. It's crazy how much artifacts they actually stole from Africa, but that's a different story. But mm -hmm. The thing that I noticed from African art and African artifacts as opposed to the European art and the European artifacts is that most of the African arts had men and women together. The Europeans was just like, just men. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Or mm. just a woman. Talk about so it. So it's like the family structure, that's always been part of African mm -hmm. tradition. Mm -hmm. Elders, so it's like even the Willie Lynch, like this is a, a manuscript of mm -hmm. how to make a slave. One of the things is play old versus young. Yep. Play men versus women. We see the same thing happening. That's how they media. get this, man. Yeah. We see the same, like even now to this day, you see social media, everybody debating about relationships and should you pay for a date? Da, 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 da. It's just men and women going back and forth. And then it's like the number one thing that hip hop has done over the last decade is, yo, you old rapper. Like you old. Bro, like, I hate when people do that because now nah, it's well, everything we talk about is pros and cons. Right. And it's ways that we fix that because I hate when people say the old rapper or you washed up or it's this and that. Right. Because what we really doing is we tearing down our elders. Right. That can help open up more doors and more lanes for us to have more platforms to create more revenue. The problem with that is a lot of our elders be still trying to rap like us. It's like, nigga, rap like the adult you is. Some of these rappers still be 47 talking about they got bitches <laughs> in the club and still driving Bentleys. Nigga, you married with three <laughs> kids and got businesses. But there's a part, there's a part that goes with that, right? And you, you, you come from this, this generation. It was like, we never saw our artists grow old. We never, we never got I was, to see it. I was about to get into that. Yeah, because hip-hop is relatively new. Yeah, it's 50 years. It's the 50th year of it. Right. So... At anything with age, you get wiser. Right. So as we continue to grow as a culture, I think 
the labels as the old rapper or washed up or all those things will continue to go away because the dude who's 25 now is going to be 30 in five years and his life is going to be different. So he'll understand the person he was dissing five years ago because he'll be in that business playing that role that that person he was dissing just left. And you yeah. can have mentioned, like, KRS said something that was extremely insightful. He was like, old people have wisdom that young people don't have. 1,000%. Young people have energy and information that older people, people don't, don't have. have. They need each other. The information and, and the youthfulness is not the most beneficial if you don't have wisdom. Mm -hmm. But the wisdom is not even really that beneficial if you don't have new ideas. So it's like, both have to respect each other. Like, old people have to respect young people. Mm -hmm. And young people have to respect old people. And that's how you really... And like you said, now with hip-hop, you have mentors. Like, you have Busta Rhymes. You have Jay-Z. You have a Nas. Like, we didn't have... They, that wasn't right. there before, right? Mm -hmm. Now it you was. have elder statesmen who have been respected, who's not, like, you know, homeless. Like, these are people that got money that, you know, people respect. That's why our culture still respects, right? Like. Yep. What's your watch look like? That's yeah. still something that's... Yeah. But now it's like, I right, as a young rapper, I can sit down with X, Y, and Z, get information, give game, mm -hmm. and now I'll be better suited as opposed to just trying yeah. to wing it. But this is new. Like, even this is this is new, right? Like, I grew up listening to Big Daddy Kane and KRS-One. Mm -hmm. After a while, they couldn't even do a show because mm -hmm. nobody was interested. Like, now, like, they're still doing tour. They're on tour now. It's the only genre, when you think about it, inside of music where it's like... Our artists couldn't get old, right? Because even like, think about Jay, right? Jay's 53 years old. Mm -hmm. LL's 55. It, they looked at differently, mm -hmm. right? They're not too far apart, but mm -hmm. they, LL never, there was never a, a space where it was like, yo, this could be the Rolling Stones. Mm -hmm. Or you guys could be, even in R&B, we see it like now. Or Anita Baker, she's still touring. Yeah. So like, this is a, a brand new genre of letting our artists age, letting them, letting them mature, yeah. letting them go through life experience and explaining what that is. I think, like you said, the issue is that at 46, like I'm in my, I'm 41. Like yeah. I want to hear about what life is at this point. Cause at this, and now I said it, right? I've been, I've been wealthy a lot longer than I've been broke, which is true. I watched you at 20 when, exactly. you, when you dropped Illmatic. You, you're about to be 50, you 50 now. Like, this is 30 years of wealth. Listen what Nas is talking about. And now it's changed. It's changed. Exactly. So it's like we're watching Nas. We're watching Jay. We're watching certain people do it. I, like I'm saying, I think the problem is because hip-hop is rooted in youthful culture, mm -hmm. yeah. I feel like a lot of elder statesmen feel like they have to stay young, and that's not relatively the case anymore. We need y'all to grow up. To set an example to give <laughs> us the wisdom on what not to do on how to, like, we don't want to go broke when we get y'all age. Right. I, Rap about how we don't do that. Exactly. Y'all don't tell us that. Y'all tell us, keep going. Post that <laughs> shit on social. Keep keep your foot on their neck. You know what I'm saying? Don't stop and then, Yeah. And then you DMing my producer yeah. trying to get a beat and all. It's I, like, I need bro, that sound. You feel me? Yeah. No. Like, don't do that. Continue to be who you were, but just innovate your thing. So when, when you're creating, because I think you're in the part, and Cole had it, I think he said it best when he made the song, Middle Child. Yeah. Like, he really yeah. is in the general. You know what's child. crazy? How, what's that process like for I was kind of mad at Cole for making that song. You wanted to do it? I wanted to make that so <laughs> bad, bro. Because that's really who I am, bro. Uh, you, I, and he is, too. He is, He is, right. too. But when I heard it, I said, this <laughs> fucker. It's like, it's, it's like him. He, he just thinks shit I think. Like, a lot of shit I feel and think, like, I'll, I'll be like, all right, I'm going to do this. And then he'll just, oh, this motherfucker. I love Cole, though. Shout out to Cole. Um... What was you saying? I was saying that when, when you're trying to create, 
Oh, like, yeah. As a middle child and knowing the, the dynamics, like, how does that affect your process? Uh, So, what's crazy is Africa changed it. Before Africa, I was hit chasing. Mm. So, that's why you will see certain elements of what people love from me not match the music for the longest. Like, I just kind of figured that out where results take time. So, like, Sacrifices, that's a Simba record. People that's, love that. That's my favorite uh, one on there. Never End Up Broke, Overnight, um, On God. That pop out is official. Blessings, see a pop out, things like that, right? But when you're in the business, you attempt new things. You know what I mean? Coca-Cola going to try to sell you some cherry Coke. Now, whether you buy it or not, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's up to you. Now, Street Nigga and Soul Ties, those are good records to me. But to the audience who's here for me right now, they don't necessarily want to hear that. But I've chased other audience that I feel may be a broader streaming audience or a radio audience and those different things. So I feel like that's confused my process until I went to Africa and I really just sat with myself like, you know what? It's a honor in life for people to even want something from you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like just to even like know people wake up and want to hear me rap. Why would I not give them that every day? Why would I not just rap for what people want to hear me do? So my latest music that I'm getting ready to put out, um, my new project is called Don't Call Me Now, um, coming soon. But it's rap-based. It's what you see on Instagram and what you see in the radio freestyles in song format. Oof. You know, and it's take, taking me time to figure out how to do that. Like the Ja Morant thing. That's the freestyle in a song format, but it's it takes time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't have, I didn't come up um, like how some of these rappers came up with a producer and a, a song choreographer and people to structure their records. I've learned this shit on my own, on the fly for the last 15 years of my life. So I'm not going to always get the production right. I'm not going to always get the hook right, but I'll learn from my mistakes and next time I will. John Moran, talk about that. That's an interesting. The story is an interesting story, period. Um, yeah. Very unfortunate situation, but you took a different approach. I feel like you wasn't um, extremely hard on him. Yeah. But you wasn't um, soft on him either. Yeah. Walk me through that process. Africa. Africa, bro. Understanding who I am, bro. I'm an incubator. I'm somebody that can help the older people understand the young people and the young people understand the old people. You feel me? So anything in our culture that goes on that needs to be addressed, I'm the person to say something. That's who I am. That's my identity in the game. So the first time Ja did it, it was like I was on tour. I'm like, come on, Ja. What the fuck you yeah. doing? But I'm like, this obviously, he lit, yeah. drunk. You know what I'm Chocolate. saying? Like, Started to the game. Yeah. But then you do it a second time. You bugging. You bugging, right? So now it's like, okay, you got people who don't understand our culture, right? Who don't understand what it's like having millions of dollars, who don't understand what it's like trying to bring people out the hood that come from that culture and they're around you and certain things find you just based off who you located next to. Um, and they all got something to say. He's a thug. He's this. He's, but y'all ain't never had to live that life. 
You know what I'm saying? And then you got people that saying, oh, why is it wrong for him to carry a gun? And woo, motherfucker, because he's a fucking $200 million man that's a public face for the NBA. He's a role model. So for me, it was more so about getting everybody to understand the two, right? And even within that, understanding the role we as musicians play in this shit. Because it's like, we'll let rappers do that shit and it's cool all day. But because he got $200 million and he played for the NBA, we gonna look at him like a thug, but a rapper is cool. Like, it's too much hypocrisy in it. You know what I mean? So if we gonna talk about it, we gotta talk about the role we play in it. We make songs about killing niggas and shooting niggas. And I'm not saying we shouldn't because that's certain people's lives and their stories and what they've seen and what they've been through. But we all ain't got to fall victim to that. You know what I mean? And, and, and I'm going to address it every time I can and, and let people know, like, look at me, bro. I ain't never killed a nigga in my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't never shot a gun outside of a shooting range. It's like, I don't need to. And all black people ain't got to. Like, we all ain't got to be that way. And we not. But that's how mainstream media want to portray us. So when Josh show a gun, it's easy for them to go from $200 million NBA player to a thug. It's like, nah, bro, hold on. Check this out for a minute. Understand where he coming from. It's pressure on, bro. No, that's yeah. a fact. It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I'm going back to that bar, as you said, man. It's a privilege and an honor for people to want something for you every day. Yeah. And the drama rant is a is a great example of it. Like when you sp just doing those freestyles. Yeah. I remember the first time I heard that LA Leakers freestyle, and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, how do I share, 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 share? Yeah, Yo, you heard this? You heard this? Then you did another one. I'm like, did you hear this? Did you hear this? Can I put it in a request? Yeah. Because when I heard that LA Leakers freestyle, it made me think back to Benny Siegel. He's one of my favorite rappers. Okay. Shout out to Shotty. Yeah. He had Benny Siegel at my birthday, my 40th birthday. Okay. It was a moment. But it made me think back a thousand bars. Okay. At some point. Okay. Can we get out a thousand bars? Say, say a thousand no bars a lot. That, that's, that's a lot. It's a lot of bars. It's a lot. I, I it's like 20 minutes. He did. Well, it was like a 10 minute freestyle. It was him and, him and, Myth him and Bleak. They yeah. did. And I was you like. Heard, you heard it before, right? Yeah, yeah. I know what you, you're talking I know. Because you come from. I know you You know, you studied no, it. No, it's, it's, it's not. It, it's one of them things where it's a free fall. Where you just let it all out. You know what I yeah. mean? But I'm at this space where it's like. Bro, I say so much in my raps. Like the way I write. I think a thousand bars for me. Would sound like a fucking. Dictionary. Biology class <laughs> that people don't want to sit through. It'd be about cannabis. Yeah, because I'm very passionate about the shit I say. Yeah. Like, I hate just saying shit to say it. Yeah. Like, I have a hard time making songs about nothing. You know how people could just go in there and be like, million dollars on my wrist, badass <laughs> bitch, she gonna suck my dick soon as I empty my clip, I'm with the shit. That's a hit record right there. Yo, yeah, drop a beat I could do that shit in my <laughs> sleep, <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> what the fuck did I just say? A whole lot of records about that. You like that, that's it, that's it. I like that shit. It's like, what did I just say? It's like, what did I just say? And that's no offense to people who make music like that, it's just for me, that shit don't sit right with my soul for yeah. what I like to listen to and for what I like to make. You know what I mean? I feel like when I'm getting on the mic, I got to say something. Because one day, bro, I'm going to be gone. And I ain't going to be here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what people going to have left is my words and my music. So I want it to mean something. I don't want it to just be some shit I put together. So we um Please met, not sin. We met, your, we met your brother. Interesting story. Yeah. Tell us that. Manager, family business. Um, But y'all just recently met. Yeah. 
Tell us an interesting story. Yeah, so my dad, bro, you know, street cat, you know, doing his thing, and he um he ended up in prison when I was young, when we both was young. But my brother, he kind of was more so like my dad. He was more in the streets and shit. And my mom, she kind of, when I was younger, my mom kind of like segregated me from like the streets, like just totally moved me from that life because my mom was in the streets. And when I was young, she just kind of moved me from it. So I naturally just like, was always into the arts and different things. So we never really crossed paths or whatever, even though we was probably around each other a lot, but didn't have the same interest in life to even have a conversation or nothing like that. So um, my dad passed years ago, and, and I remember meeting him when I was younger, and I used to always be like, man, I got a brother somewhere. I got a brother somewhere. And then I started doing music, and one day my uncle's street life, <clears throat> he hit me. He was like, man, you got a brother, bro. Like, he just came home. He Like, you should get in touch with him. He a cool dude. And then it's like, I just had to freestyle, come out, LeBron post me. So I'm like, here they go with this, <laughs> this shit. Family got to know. <laughs> like, here come this shit, right? <laughs> so I'm, I'm telling my mom this shit. Like, I'm telling my mom, like, she like, nah, you do. She's like, yo, remember you met him? I'm like, yeah, I do. But I'm like, I don't really know. So, uh... We end up talking on Instagram and then we would, you know, talk here and there back and forth. And then one day I was in Philly, drunk as hell. <laughs> you know, them nights when like you be out late drinking and you go to sleep at like five in the morning and you wake up at 730 still <laughs> lit, like can't go back to sleep. It was one of them days. So I ended up calling him and we was just on the phone for like four hours and shit. Ever since then, we just been rocking. Ever since then, dog, we just been traveling the world and rapping and trapping, rapping and rapping, rapping and trapping. <laughs> yeah, how's that, how's that been? Just re, you know, because once again, going back to that um, story where it's like long lost people that's being reunited. Like, obviously, a lot of time was lost, but how's that like been as far as just like connecting with somebody that you never really had a relationship with? I feel like it worked out better. Um, as we got older because I was so one-track minded when I was younger and for what he was involved in I would have been like I ain't going around that nigga you feel me <laughs> I would have just totally separated myself and been closed off but me being older and him being older and having an understanding of certain things he been through and me having a certain understanding of things I've been through we was able to have a a, a conversation that we related to each other through through different scenarios. So it's things he been through in the streets that I've been through in music. You know what I mean? And we could relate through it through communication. But if we never would have been able to live life to experience them things, what well, we have to talk about? Mm. You know, so I feel like it, it kind of worked out as we got older than it did younger. Don't you know be, what I mean? Yeah. But I got like siblings and shit that we was cooler when we was younger. And I don't even talk to their ass. How many siblings you have? I got a a, a younger brother. I got an older sister. I got another sister in Texas and another sister in Atlanta. And I think I got another brother, <laughs> but I'm not 100% After sure. After the new album, we're going to have like Rolling four Stone. more. <laughs> huh? Pops was a Rolling Stone. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> perhaps. Yeah. I, 
It's interesting because you talk about managing, we talk about new music on the way. I wonder what you define as success because you don't take me as a guy that's like, hey, I got this many streams or I, I, I sold this many records. Yeah. So how do you quantify success for your music? Achieving a goal. Just like whatever my goal was for it. Like um, last year, <laughs> last year my goal was to uh, put out a project and find where my fans were. That was literally my definition of success for 2022. Brian ended up on Jimmy Kimmel, mm -hmm. The Breakfast Club, Funk Master Flex. I didn't imagine none of that. I thought that was going to happen two, three years later. You know what I mean? So for me, it's just like achieving a goal. Like right now, like, I want to make $5 million. Like, that's by, my goal. By any means necessary. That's my year. Like, this year, I want to just, like, have $5 million tucked. Like, all right, that's over there. Like, that's my new goal. And then I'm pretty sure when I do that, I'm going to want $100 million. <laughs> You know what I mean? So it changes. It changes every day. But it's like, that's my new goal. Like, that's... What's going to make me feel successful is the day that I know I got $5 million tucked right now. Um, So you got the NBA playoffs. Yeah. Getting your jersey from Kevin Durant. Yeah. Um, But it was a partnership with the NBA? Uh, ESPN. ESPN. How, how, what was the deal with that? So basically, uh, we were able to make the music for the commercials. Mm. Um, So something I've realizes my music does better on other platforms and on streaming sites because um, the people who listen to my music, what I've realized is they have a tough time navigating through the internet. So I don't have a lot of like young kids that listen to me. They will in the next two to three years as they grow up, you know, and experience life more. Um, but it's hard for them to navigate through the internet for who listens to me currently. So I've found ways to find platforms that they like to live on, it's like the content. NBA or the NFL or video games, or your leisure, video games, Joe Budden's <laughs> podcast, um, different platforms that I know my demographic pays attention to because they're a very inquisitive demographic. So I have to go to those platforms and the NBA was one of them. So, um, uh, they noticed that. I just be at a lot of games. I'm just a big hoop fan because I play hoop. I feel like a lot of hoopers relate to my music because I tell a lot of stories that hoopers go through. Um, so I've, you know, cool with Draymond Green, cool with Kevin Durant, cool with LeBron James, and they could see that. So I was making music for Madden last year in 2K, and when I did the Warriors halftime show in December for the Celtics, they was like, yo, we want to kind of figure something out for ESPN, um, like a song or something for the playoffs. And they was like, let's do it. So we had a conversation about us, you know, um, making music for the commercial. So they sent us a bunch of clips and stuff to watch. And me, Raven, and my boy Jay the Great, we just sat in there and we came up with a bunch of ideas and shh. Next thing we know, like, they was all over ESPN. It's five. Yeah. So, you're a Warriors guy? Well, oh, man. Let's just put this out there. Yes. Okay. I am a Golden State Warrior. Okay. But Simba <laughs> is a Golden... No. 
Simba is a Los Angeles warrior son. What? A Los Angeles warrior son. So you, you're a Lakers fan. <clears throat> a Lakers or a Clippers? <clears throat> Lakers. Lakers. Warriors and the Suns. Yes, the whole West. You just West Coast. I mean, I'm fans of players. You got, oh, so that's my thing. Yeah, you got I, three teams in the same division. I, I've yeah. never, I've never supported <laughs> institutions. I only support individuals. So, oh, I'm still in that. I'm telling you right here. <laughs> no, e- no, no, no. It's an easy cop I'm out. I'm still in that. <laughs> no, you can't steal it because it's an easy. It's cop real. Out. It's real. No, bro, that's me. It's real. I've never been a fan of it. Like, no offense. I've never been a fan of the Lakers. I was a fan of the Lakers so long because they had Kobe Bryant. You a fan of Kobe? And I was a fan of Kobe. That was my fa- that's my favorite player ever. I was a fan of the Lakers when they got Pau Gasol. I was a fan of the Lakers when LeBron came. You know what I mean? So <laughs> in that gap between, you wasn't with him. I went back to my Warriors. <laughs> that's a fact. And my Warriors start turning up because I was with the Warriors so from the Weebly. Some could look at that team. as a guy who likes the front running team, right? Because no, no, you 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 here's why. The here's why. Here's why. Kobe's winning championships. I'm with them. Warriors winning championships. I'm with them. But I was with Kobe when he wasn't winning championships. Yeah, exactly. That was so. Like in the '90s, bro. Kobe took Brandy to the prom. What are we talking? That's about? a fact. Yeah, that's a fact. That was and my it, idol, dog. I wanted to take Brandy to the prom so bad. <laughs> I wasn't old enough to go to no prom, but Kobe did. He did. He definitely did that. He definitely did that. And one, three years after that, four years after that. Yeah. And so, and then. Shaq left. And you stayed. And we had a rough few years. I like that you said we. We had a rough few years. But in them rough few years, I was going to them We Believe games. (laughs) Watching my dog Baron Davis, Steven Jackson, Matt Barnes. I was watching the Donald Foyle and them boys. I was, I was there. Donald Foyle. I was there. Foyle. I, I respect that. Cold that's game. my that, team. That's different than what he's going to tell. That's no, my it's team. Not, it's not. It is different. You're going to tell me LeBron and you. Listen. Go ahead. I have three players that I've supported over the last 25 years of basketball. You got to realize, I've played basketball every single day of my life yeah. for 20 years. I'm like, basketball yeah. was my life. Yeah. Latrell Sprewell was my first guy. Mm. Okay. On Golden State, actually. Mm-hmm. And then when he got to the Knicks as well. Allen Iverson, when he got into the league. Oh, that's new. Latrell on the Knicks, he was with? Not as much as Golden State, but I always was a Latrell Speedwell fan. That's why I wore 15. I'm saying, like, this is different. Like, I'm a Latrell Speedwell fan, but I'm going to tell you the entire starting lineup that he was with because I was watching him play. Yeah. You got to let me finish And you point. you was in Golden State with yeah. that. You got to let me finish Yeah, I'm letting you go. Go. I, I wore 15 because of Speedwell. He never won a championship in Golden State. Oh, he's a great player. Allen Iverson. Great player. Yeah. I was an Allen Iverson Same fan. Here. Same AI fanatic. But you're not a six. You weren't a Sixers fan. I was a Sixers fan. I was rooting for the Sixers because Allen Iverson. Iverson. Same here. And then when LeBron gets into the league, then what? It was LeBron. Then you're not rocking with the Sixers no more. He was off the. He was out of the Sixers. I think. No, he wasn't. He came in 2003. LeBron came in 2003. Okay. Well, AI had just won an MVP. When LeBron came in, my alliances. With LeBron. Yeah. There's no loyalty here. There's no loyalty. He still years. rock with his guy. I've been with LeBron for 20 years. Yeah, hey, I was still playing, bro. But that don't mean you can't like somebody yeah. else. It's, it changes. No loyalty. No, I'm going to tell you straight up. That's like saying a, because you like LaRussell, you can't like Simba. I like both of y'all. Okay, so it's no loyalty. No, it's, no, it's not. No, that's I like what both, you just no, said. No, this is a team sport. That's individual. Nope. That's it's a team sport. No, no, no. No, because if he tries to go at you, you're going to go back at him, and it's going to be an individual it's like the, thing. It's if like, the Lakers go at the Warriors, yeah. they're going to go back at each other. Players, 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 switch, players switch teams, bro. Most players don't I, play with the same team. That's my like, brother, by the way. It, I was just using that as Yeah, his loyalty, right? When I 
found out about the game of basketball, late 80s, the Bulls are my team. To this day, I don't care. The Bulls are my team. Yeah, but there's two ups, ways. downs. We ain't win since ninety. I get it. So just because players, you're loyal oh, to a fault, <laughs> exactly, don't mean there's no loyalty. Exactly. I said that's not loyalty. You just like my homie Kurt. He's a Dallas Cowboys fan. Don't, Every don't year the loyal. they're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> and they Every come, year, I'm realistic. Like, bro, though. you just loyal to a fault. I'm realistic though. Like my loyalty, I know. Like this is not a championship team. Every like when we got Derrick Rose, I'm like, all right, I'm loyal. We got a chance to the Golden State Warriors <laughs> because of Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, Michael Petras, Baron Davis, Matt Barnes, Stephen Jackson. Uh, what was my boy uh, Jason Richardson? What about I'm loyal to the Lakers, Lakers yeah, because yeah. of LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, and Magic Johnson. Even though I was too young for Magic Johnson, I watched his highlights. Okay. I'm loyal to the Phoenix Suns only because of their fan base and Kevin Durant. See, it's, it's a it's so before Kevin Durant, you weren't rocking with them. Not until Kevin Durant. <laughs> it's like because I'm loyal to Kevin Durant. Yeah, gotcha. I'm saying you got it. So you're in Brooklyn. That's my guy. Wherever he go, wherever you go, you I'm go. buying a jersey. Okay, okay. So, and I'm gonna be at the game. Speaking of basketball, you, got you. you. You made a comment that you recently recanted. You said you was educated. You, you received education on it uh, with the M Michael Jordan thing. I was going to save this apology. <laughs> I was going to save this apology for Gilbert Arena show. <laughs> but fuck it. Gilbert Michael. Go ahead. Michael Jeffrey Jordan, a.k.a. the Black Cat, <laughs> a.k.a. Black Jesus, Black Jesus a.k.a. the number one shoe ever. I apologize. I apologize. You are the greatest basketball player of all time. Of all time. If there's ever a GOAT, even though I said no <laughs> one's the GOAT, we're all the GOAT. If there's ever a GOAT, it's because of you. I'm sorry. I apologize. You are the greatest of all time. Uh, and as a lifelong Chicago fan, I stand by that statement. Michael is definitely... I, he's I the GOAT. He, he's he's a GOAT for sure. Yo, stop with the A. He had his moment, man. No, no, he's, a, he's definitely a GOAT. He's a GOAT. He's a he's legend. A he said V, and you're saying A is two different things. I, I got schooled. I got schooled. When the education happened, like, what... They were, like, giving you statistics. They were showing you game film. Like, Bro. what did they do? What did they do to change your <laughs> Film mind? study with them. <laughs> I'm going to tell you who it was. I didn't even tell nobody who gave me the lesson. I'm going to say it right here. It was KD. Katie, Katie gave you the lesson. Bro. No, what better person? I okay. went to Katie's that house. So well, hold, let, me tell, let, me, let me tell a story. I went to Katie's house after game four. Right? In Phoenix. Yes. Bro. He literally put me through Michael Jordan school. Literally, like, from the beginning, dog. Like, bro, how could you? You, you can't never say that again. You got to understand. They wouldn't even pick guards in the top five of players before Mike, it was a big man's league. People like Grant Hill and all these people start getting drafted. Like, he's just gone. There's no stop and pop. There's no fadeaway. You got to understand, I'm able to dribble the way I dribble across people over because Mike went to the front office and said, people can't keep playing this aggressive. Well, like, he was just on me. And I'm like, damn. I didn't know all of that. <laughs> then the part that got me was when he told me he won MVP. Mm-hmm. Defensive player of the year. Yes. And all team NBA in the same season. I believe the year was 88. I said, dog, I am foul. Nah, I am foul and I apologize. Mike. I did not understand it. 
I felt like Mike was first because he was like doing things first. It made him look a lot better than he was. But when Kevin broke it down and showed me the stats and showed me everything he created, the way people finish around the basket, the way Kyrie finished just certain things, the crossover Kobe had, just <sighs> Jimmy Butler's crossover. Like, he just broke it down. Defensive bro. argument. Yeah, yeah, he broke it down. Ray, Ray Allen just had a similar argument. He broke it Michael down. Michael Jordan is, I, I mean, he's Can you take Jordan. the, you, you're just going to stick with the A? I'm loyal. I mean, so he, I mean, he broke it down so cold, dog. Something, but like I said, Michael, he's, he's definitely, he's an icon. He's an icon. He showed me some game where like, like Mike was just having a bad game where it was looking like he didn't even want to play, and then some dude said something in the fourth quarter, like I was just watching that. Yeah, it was like you off the night, champ, or something. And he just came out and dropped twenty three and won the game. I was just watching that actually two days. Yeah, I was just watching that. KD showed me that, bro. I was like, yeah, man. Shout out, I'm sorry, Mike. the game. I'm sorry, KD. Before we leave, we gotta talk about this artificial intelligence. Yeah, this is something that is very controversial. Um. Timberland, you heard the song with Big? Yeah. You like it? It was okay. Yeah, I thought it was okay too. Yeah. His Drake song's hard. Hard. <laughs> Drake song's yeah, tough. Hard. So a lot of people's going back and forth with it. Some people like it, some people don't like it. What's your thoughts on this? I like it. Um, like I said earlier, bro, I'm a fan of innovation. So I understand that it's, you know, hasn't been regulated yet, even though I'm reading things about it, becoming that I see universal. Just did a deal with an AI company. Mm -hmm. I think Warner's getting ready to do some things with an AI company, and pretty sure Sony is too. Um, but I think it's great. Um, I think people are scared of it because I think it replaces us in a lot of ways. But at the same time, it helps us in a lot of ways. And it's nothing like one thing about humans, bro, it's nothing like human-to-human -human interaction. Hmm. You know what I mean? So no matter how much the AI can duplicate our emotions and all these different things, it ain't lived our life. And it can't tell our story like we can. You know what I mean? So it might be able to say things we've been a part of a lot faster, a lot more efficient, but let's use it as a tool. Let's use it as a tool to make us more faster and efficient rather than looking at, it, looking at it as something that's, like, going to take our jobs or whatever it may be. But I think it's dope, bro. I can't wait to hear the joint Biggie and Tupac mixtape. Like, I, I can't wait to hear uh, Kendrick and Drake album. Would you do a song with AI? Like, would you do a song with Tupac on the AI vibe? I got a Jay-Z feature at the crib. Do you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Pac got some chick. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Is, like, is, one way or another. Yeah. Is yeah. that like, and I know you love Jay. We have a mutual. Yeah, it's my favorite ever, bro. Is there? Is that the dream collab for you? Like, in, oh, if yeah. we had to do it in real life. Drake, Future, and Drake. I mean, uh, Jay, Future, and Drake. Those are my three. And J. Cole. The J. Cole one. And Kendrick would be my fifth. I told you. Did I? You remember the conversation I had with you? Yeah. About that song? Yeah, those are like my favorite. My number one would be Ho for sure because, like I always say, he the reason I rap. Yeah. Like like Ho. He tapped in? Um, No, but uh, Lenny's my guy. Shout Earl's my guy. Um, Who else? I talk? Guru shows me a lot of support. 
Um, he's tapped in there. Yeah. He's tapped in. A lot of, a lot of people know Those guys are tapped in. He's tapped in. Yeah. Um, but I haven't physically talked to him or um, met him in person, but he's literally the reason I rap, bro. Like, he was the one that made me be like, oh, okay, I ain't got to just, you know, rap about uh, <clears throat> shooting a motherfucker. You know what I mean? Selling drugs and all this. Even though Hove talked about it, <laughs> he talked about the Hove things that. that come with it. Yeah. So hopefully you, you know don't have saying? to go through that. He wasn't just like, just I'm on the corner selling drugs. It's the greatest life ever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he was really telling you like, nigga, chains is cool to cop, but most important is loyalty. You fact. know what I'm saying? So I'm from the place that. where it's the shakiest. When he said niggas don't come around alone because they atheists. They pray to God so long. Niggas pray to God so long that they atheists. For what you can't. You know, I'm from the other way. side where other guys don't talk too much. And the Say dudes it. ran up. Let's just say the girls ran down to Thompson, so them dudes to trust. I don't, I don't know, know what the, the fuck, fuck they thought the niggas is <laughs> found just like us. I'm from where the beef is inevitable. Summertime's I'm unforgettable. Like beef is in abundance by, by half price for the new. You know what I'm saying? Don't let me like that shit. We go bar for bar here. That shit is about it if you ain't living. That shit made me be like. Damn, I could rap about what's going on around me. I ain't necessarily got to be like, Clipping it. I'm doing this yeah, shit, yeah. Like, you know? Like, and that's really where I got my style from. How many classics does he have? I think the only Jay-Z album that's not a classic is Kingdom Come and Blueprint 3. I okay, think okay. everyone... Else is a classic. And I could be biased. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm biased. I'm biased. I could be Shout biased, old, but to me, they're all classics because they're all revelations of where he was at life, in yeah. life at that moment, and they're great bodies of work, and they're all things we could go back to. Like I could go to Magna Carta right now and learn some shit. I can go to four 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 right now, and it's some shit I was just going through with my BM. You know what I'm saying? And I was telling her, like, it's the same shit. I could go to Blueprint 1, Blueprint 2, Blueprint 2.5, Black Album. Uh, volume 1. Yeah, volume 1. Like, it's they're all classics in their own way. So Shout out to Hov, man. Yeah. That's I mean, the GOAT. Of all time. Shout out to Hov, The man. GOAT. Shout For sure. I didn't, we, we said the GOAT. I didn't. Once again, you can call Hove the goat. <laughs> Hove is definitely the Michael Jordan rap. They like I said, it's loyalty. Speaking of loyalty, so this is the last story I'll tell about the hip hop. I'm so loyal. That's why I'm surprised you say I'm not loyal. I'm probably the most loyal person ever. Nas, <laughs> my, my my son's name is Nasir. So obviously, Damn. like Nas, that's my favorite ever. So it was tough times for 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 Nas when um, Takeover came out. Right, he was a big Nas fan, huge Nas fan. Still am, still am. Takeover came. He called me. This called me on my on my mother's house phone, right? Like, His yo, <laughs> yo, your man's done. Said, no, don't tell the story like I that. Said, what you talking about? Don't tell the story He's like, like that. Yo, you heard you heard the takeover joint. I'm like, what you talking about right now, bro? He played me takeover over the phone. I listened to it. That's how loyal I am. I said, yeah, shit's whack. That just part because, of the, no, no, that part of the story is true. Because, that part of the, because, I promise you, I promise you, because, that part of the story is true because I could not. You can't. I could not. That's true. Go against, Unpopular opinion. Takeover was better than either. No. Hey. No, we're not gonna we, that. We're not gonna do that. <laughs> but that part of the story was true. The other part was not. I didn't say your man did. I said yo. You said it's we got over. a problem. You said it's over. I didn't say it's you over. Said I said over. we got a problem. And then we that got Ether a problem. Came out. Not before Ether, because then he dropped. Takeover the, the, was better than Ether. A lot of people say that. 
It was as a song. You saying everything? Production lyrics. Ether just had more shock value. You gotta look at it like this. For me, when Ether came out, the impact that it had on New York City. I don't know about everywhere else in in the world. Oh no! Impact that it had on New York City. It felt like that in the world. Yo, it was. Bro, I went to school the next day, <laughs> and it was just like it was mayhem. That was moment. It was bombs over like that. We had to get to the radio to see. Like, remember Angie had the whole thing. We got the vote. It was yeah, a, it was bro. a moment. Yeah, it, it was, was a moment. It was that was a crazy moment as a kid. Like, and I'm as a whole fan. I'm like, ooh, ho, what you go do? <laughs> and then he just came with super ugly, and I was like, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, do you apologize? And it was like, oh, you know, shout but take over. It's better than either. Take so we asked Ice Cube his top five. Um, I don't know if you saw that. It's been trending online. We asked him his top five battle songs of all time. He didn't even have take up take out take over wasn't in, in the it. top five. Yeah. He had no Vaseline, Ether. Undeniably number one. He, said. he had um, because Cube is a West Coast nigga and just Ether so aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> like he just you know Cube West Coast to the core. Yeah, he, I, West Coast music is rooted in aggression. I didn't realize how no. You know, I'm, I'm not from that era, so I never really grew up on NWA, nothing like that. But yeah. I had to go back and listen to No Vaseline. No it's hard. Vaseline, crazy. It's hard. No, nah, No Vaseline is crazy. It's hard. Bro, it's hard. Bro, definitely hard. Cube is one of the greats, bro. No, that's hard. Like, that's a hard. That's hard. one of the goats, bro. Like, he's cold. Like, we was talking about the other day, like, who's a better lyricist, is Cube or Scarface? That's tough. Face, face is tough, though. Face, face has one of my favorite albums all time. The Fix? You know I mean? the like, fix. Fixed, fixed one of my favorite albums. That's a tough one. Because if you think about it, they like represent the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That's tough. Yeah, like they represent the same shit. That's a tough one. Yeah. It's like DMX. He kind of like that type of person too. X was, man, that was my favorite like for a long time when I was a kid. Like X. X. In your your, uh, creative laboratory and you had the New York Mount Rushmore, Mm -hmm. who was it? I'm not gonna tell you. <laughs> New show coming soon. New show coming soon. You it will be revealed. Yo, I appreciate you, brother man. Um, what do you want the people to be aware of? You know, you say you got the new project dropping. Yeah. What's the what's the info everything? Uh man, new project on the way. Don't call me now, coming soon. We got a date coming for you soon. But most importantly, man, y'all stay aware of self. Stay aware of positive energy. Stay aware of these brothers. Stay aware of everybody in the culture, man, that's doing their part to keep us moving co- keep us moving forward, uh, creating black businesses, taking people off the streets and putting them in meetings. Uh, let's be aware of that, man. Till then, let's keep doing what we're doing, champ. Appreciate you, man. Like I said, I, I really appreciate the music. I'm a fan, so I'm watching, rooting for you, man. So... You know, keep going, man. Same here, bro. I appreciate y'all platform. I'm coming to InvestFest, too. Ah, it is. You heard it. You You heard it first, ladies and gentlemen. Real spitter. Yes. All right, guys. Thanks for rocking with us. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.